welcome to MonarchCast. We're a brand new podcast about monarchy. Yay! Yay! Uh, we're also obviously American. You might be able to hear that in our voice, so we have no business talking about monarchy, but we're going to do but it anyway. Yeah, we're going to do it anyway, because why not? Yeah. <laughs> so let's tell everybody who we are. I'm Claire. And I'm Allie. And we might sound a little bit alike, and that's Just because we're sisters, um, but twins, actually. Yeah. We're basically the same person having one conversation. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, that's for all you, yeah, that's for people out there who don't understand twins. So that's actually not what we are. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. Let's, let's dispense with the myths right away. But we're on opposite coasts. I'm in Boston and Allie's in San Francisco. And we're going to talk about people in England and Europe. And, you know, we might branch out and go real crazy and, I don't know, do some Asian kings or something. Um, Chinese, ha- the Chinese have a very interesting dynastic system we could delve into. Um, but for now, for now, we're going to keep it simple, and um, I think we'll probably do a lot about the British monarchy, right? Well, yeah, we're going to talk about the Windsors, because I think, for the most part, that's probably the royal family most people are familiar with, and certainly the ones driving all the headlines these days. So, um, you know, especially we've got a royal wedding coming up in a few months. I think for now, we'll we'll focus on the Windsors, but I agree. I mean, obviously... The world has this vast history of royalty and monarchies, and I think it's fascinating. From coming from a country where we explicitly decided we want nothing to do with that type of system, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it holds a fascination. Oh yeah, we're we're completely unqualified to talk about this. Actually, I think um, you know, given the fact that our country was founded on the idea that kings are bad, but we don't need no king. Yeah, no, we do not. But we're interested. Um, I think. For me, anyway, there's something fascinating about somebody being born and being told from the day they're born, this is what you're going to do when you grow up. Or in some cases, maybe it's not what they thought they'd be doing, and then they get stuck with it. Um, Yeah, I agree. I think that's the most fascinating angle is like, it's like whether you want this or not, it's your job. Yeah. And and if you turn it down, it's a constitutional crisis. So so, uh, there's a lot of uh, layers to unpack there, I think which is why we're doing this podcast, because we were talking a lot about it and thought, well, let's just have this conversation in front of the world. Yeah, why not? Or our Buy a microphone and just do this thing. But I think that I think you're, you have a really nice lead into what we're going to talk about in our first series of episodes, which is uh, the woman herself, Queen Elizabeth II. Yes. Um, because I think her reign, given how long it's been, embodies every single intricacy of this whole royal idea right you know she's constitutional monarchies whether you want to do this or not whether you're good at it you know I think everything we just mentioned and you have to remember when she was born she didn't think she'd be the queen Um, right she wasn't supposed to be Um, going back to giving up the job that was her uncle caused a constitutional crisis she's also the longest reigning monarch in I think history. Is she the longest reigning monarch anywhere? Well, you know, I really want to look into that. I think she's officially surpassed Queen Victoria at this point as the longest reigning monarch of England. Yes. I don't know if Um, there's anyone somewhere in the world who's reigned longer than her, but for her kingdom, (laughs) for lack of a better word, she's definitely the longest reigning. Her queendom, yes. She's the longest reigning monarch. 
And um, she's been in on the throne. I almost said in office. See? Americans. <laughs> we have no idea what we're talking about. She's been on the throne for over 60 years. So that's a really long time. She's seen it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always think about that, like what the world was like when she started her reign and where it's come now. And I'm sure like having lived through that, it's not as shocking. But if you were someone who you know, you're, you're looking on the outside at this lens of like where she started in the fifties to like now where, you know, the Royal family's on Instagram. It's bizarre. I know. I follow <laughs> I mean, certainly them. the opening up and the letting the public in has been a undercurrent of her entire reign, like monar- modernizing the idea of like what the monarchy should be to the people. Absolutely. So, I know. I, cause I know the Royal family's on Instagram and then there's also Kensington palace. I follow mm-hmm. both. Um, sometimes I wonder if the queen has a secret Instagram. It's probably like Corgi Lover 93. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. Maybe. I mean, all her grandkids are on it. So if she wants to keep up with them, maybe they're like, Granny's got an Insta handle. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. There's a, so there's a lot to talk about with this lady. So we're going to, we're going to start there. Um, we're probably going to do a, a little bit of a series, break up the decades into batches because, there's a lot to talk about. And I think the it's 80s so and 90s much. could be a three-part series alone. But we're going to try to condense it a little bit. But that's kind of an obvious starting off point. And I, I don't think we'll go chronologically backwards or chronologically forwards. I think we'll probably branch off as our imaginations and curiosities take us in different directions. What do you think? I think that sounds like a way. I mean, like we're saying, this just like her whole reign covers so much. And, you know, I don't want to go through a chronology of decades. If, if, if anyone is interested in that, I, there's a great show on Netflix I could recommend for you called The Crown. Yes, and we'll probably <laughs> talk about that a lot. We probably we will. Watched it. Yeah. I'm also currently watching Victoria on Masterpiece, which I think... Oh, I haven't checked that out yet. It's really good. It's in season two. Um, I think okay. it's an interesting show to watch along with The Crown because obviously Victoria um, was about hundred years prior. I don't ask me the dates. One thing we'll talk about, I'm really bad at geography and I'm really bad at dates. So, um, but I can remember what happened. Um, but you know, she was kind of in a similar position as Elizabeth, um, unexpectedly thrust into, um, the spotlight as a queen, um, that had a significant effect on her as a woman, as a wife, as a mother and as a monarch. So, We'll talk about Queen Victoria at some point, but we're going to start with Queen Elizabeth. Yeah, and I think you're bringing up an interesting point that I want to cover eventually around, you know, England, for a country that has historically been ruled mostly by men, I think their three defining monarchs of history are women. You know, you've got Elizabeth I, Victoria, and now Elizabeth II, and certainly their most um, long-running monarchs were all women, and and also generally considered to have been good rulers and had positive effects on their uh, domains. But I think the defining trait of all of them is because of the nature of the fact that, of course, they're women, none of them expected to rule. And they were all thrust in there unexpectedly. And perhaps only one of them actively sought the throne, and that was Elizabeth I. But, you know, all then did just incredible jobs with what they were supposed to do. Yeah, we could probably do a whole series on on that alone. Um, and that's, we keep talking about series, so I think that's kind of the structure we're thinking about is, 
we'll pick a subject and do a few episodes on it and really delve in and unpack it. Um, and hopefully it's fun for people listening. Hopefully you'll learn something and hopefully we don't embarrass ourselves too much talking about things we really don't know that much about. We're not historians, either of us. Um, Mm -mm. my knowledge comes from (laughs) Wikipedia and reading books. (laughs) So, and watching TV shows. Yeah. So, Hey, that's how we do it these days. I feel like I really learned a lot from that Lifetime movie about Kate and William. That was pretty informative. I mean, I think that was a documentary. I thought, I mean, it seemed like it, it just, you know, the acting was about on the level of that. (laughs) Did you actually watch that? I think I did. I think it was on, I, like, I'm kind of joking, but no, like, I actually think I watched it. It was on um, Netflix at some point, I'm pretty sure. Seriously? And, like, do you think it's still there? I don't know. I mean, maybe. I need something I, to I do after I honestly have no <laughs> idea how I stumbled upon it, and I was like, sure, why not? I mean, it was so bad, um, as you would expect, but... I'm kind of wondering if I should now watch the companion movie on Harry and Meghan. <laughs> oh, it's, I, think it's, I think it's in production, so it'll be coming pretty soon. It, yeah, this whole thing of Lifetime making these, like, movies, like, sub-realistic movies about, like, the royal romances is, like, bizarre. But I, I don't know. I feel like they should do one now about Charles and Camilla. Why not? <laughs> Nothing can top A Christmas Prince. Uh, true. Yes. Oh, should we talk about, I don't even know what kingdom that was, but that was just I forget the name. Bonkers. I think it was next to Genovia on the map. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just know that they're, they lived in a really big house. Um, mm-hmm. and they didn't seem to have a lot of security. No, or really for for the whole thing about how he was supposed to be like running the government, they didn't really seem to have that much to do with the government. But um, yeah, that, for anyone who doesn't know, that was like the most watched movie on Netflix around the holidays. So. Highly recommend if you've got about an hour and a half. Don't care too much about plot holes. Mm-mm. Okay, well that was a fun aside. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know you have some burning questions for me though. Well, I don't know. Like, I feel like it's funny because you and I have talked a lot about, like, we had this whole conversation over Thanksgiving about, you know, the monarchy and, like, all this stuff and kind of bled into this project or turned into this idea for a podcast. But I never actually asked you, like, who's your favorite royal, Claire? Okay. Do you not know the answer to this question? I mean, I I don't. Okay. I. That's I why have, I'm asking you. I, I have an answer. <laughs> That might be a little controversial because he was not necessarily a good person. <sighs> okay, I mean like your favorite real royal, not a TV he's, interpretation he's real. of that person. <laughs> he, he's just dead. He's been dead for a very, very long time. But the answer is Henry VIII. And I will tell you why. Oh. I will tell you why. Because I think, we're, and we're talking about a very volatile individual who I don't know that was necessarily sane in the last few years of his life. But the impact that he had on the throne, I mean, this is a man who, in a fit of petulance, essentially, because he wanted a new wife, changed the entire religion of the country, divorced the Catholic Church, um, created the Church of England, declared himself the head of the church, and had six wives, all in the name of generating heirs, which there's context there. 
for sure. But it's it's fascinating. It's complicated. And I think the other reason that I like him is that there are six women that go with him, his wives, who are very fascinating women to study in their own right. And I've read a lot of biographies on him. I've read a lot of biographies on his wives. I've read all kinds of historical fiction on them. I watch the Tudors. I just it's a I dig it. I like that uh, period of English history. It's right after the Wars of the Roses, um, which in itself drives so much of what made him who he was. I mean, a lot of his actions were, in hindsight, despicable, but a lot of them in context were driven by the environment in which his reign was born. So, and, and I want to, I, I think I have to clarify there, I do know that he's not Henry VII, but um, he was the son of Henry VII, who was, I believe, the last monarch to take the British throne by right of conquest. So think about the scenario that that sets up for you. And then you get in a situation where your kids keep dying and you've got all girls and you've got one boy and he's like sick as he can be. I think there's a lot of interesting context there. We are going to dive into that though at some point. So we'll put a pin in that for the yeah, rest of it. I but do, that's my answer. But I just want to add on to that. And I think you're right in that he's certainly, fa- I mean, for essentially murderer, he's super fascinating because he, I think more than almost any other monarch was like, no, I'm the king. And that means I can literally do what I want. Yeah. And I'm going to make all of you do what I want. And like, I think a fascinating character on the side of that is um, uh, Thomas Cromwell. Yes. I, yeah, because he basically was like the king's lawyer who put a lot of the, that stuff in motion. And there are some fascinating books about like novels, like historical novels, essentially, about um, that man. But I think Henry VIII, more than any other, was like, I've got the crown, I've got the power. Yeah. <laughs> Whether that's a good thing or not, um, I mean, I mean, England in general is like a fascinating study in like where, how a monarchy can evolve. Like I read something recently where they were talking about perhaps England is the first modern democracy because, you know, the U.S. is based on this ideal version of like Athenian democracy. And, you know, that's kind of where the founding fathers got a lot of their ideas of how they wanted the country to run. But there are obviously a lot of, um, I mean, it's not perfect by any means. And, and I don't think I'm trying to make the argument that England's system is perfect, but I think their system as an outlier of any other system in the world is very interesting because they have parliamentary democracy, but they also have a queen who operates as the head of state. And while she has perhaps no essential power, she still has power over, you know, the prime ministers as an advisor, as a listener, as someone they want to not sort of cross. Um, And you can argue whether like how legitimate and how uh, real that power actually is, but I think it's very real. And I think it's this interesting case where you have a prime minister of a country who is not the most fascinating, most important head of state of your country. You know, like the people of England have their prime minister and then adjacent to, or even maybe above in certain eyes, like they have Queen Elizabeth. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating. And that system has certainly evolved over the years. But I think the idea of it being the most modern is because, like, they're the only country in the world where you'll find these side-by-side systems that in some ways act as a check on each other. And in a country where they have no written constitution, I think, to me, it's just, like, 
sometimes like just completely mind-blowing that this country even operates the way it does. They don't have a constitution? They don't have a written constitution. So how do they record it? So they have laws on the books and they operate within the confines of the law. But like, I think a lot of the times when, um, I mean, this is something that I think I was reading that Elizabeth faced at the beginning of her reign because, you know, questions of what are, am I allowed to do? Like, I think the whole questions around like when Margaret was um, looking to marry Peter Townsend, like, and they thought she should, should have to give up her royal position in order to do that. I mean, a lot of these questions they were asking was around like, what is the law around this? Because we don't know because there's no written constitution. A constitutional monarchy doesn't have a written constitution? I mean, I think they, I mean, it's not that they're a lawless country, like they have laws on the books and that's kind of how they operate, but like they never wrote a document that said like, these are the basic ways that the country operates. Like they just kind of operate based on like, I mean, I look as an American talking about this, maybe I read this wrong and I'm going completely in the wrong direction, but I'm fairly sure there's nothing that like lays out, you know, we have a monarchy branch and an executive branch and a legal branch, you know, kind of the way we have the constitution that lays out the three branches of our government and the um, essential ideas of how we want to operate as a country. They don't, they don't have that, but they do have laws. I mean, written laws that they follow this essentially the same way, like we would defer to the constitution. They well, they defer have, to. I mean, they have common law, which is yeah. case law. So, yes. um, but I don't think that they have a document that anyone can point to and be like, this is our constitution. Oh, fascinating facts. I'm In our next so episode, already. I will have uh, <laughs> confirmed that or denied this. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about whether that's true or not. We'll, we'll check back. Yeah. Um, okay, so what's your answer to that question, though? See, I feel bad for asking you that question because I don't think I really have an answer at this point for you. Mm, we'll like, obviously, I think the modern royals are really fun to kind of like follow in this like sort of I think if I were to like look at a family in the public eye and be interested in what they're doing like I'm certainly more interested in the royals than I am in the Kardashians (laughs) so on that level I enjoy them I think that's kind of why some people refer to the Kardashians as like our royal family which I I hate but like (laughs) they're essentially just a famous for being this family that's famous, you know, and if you think about it, that's how the Royals are famous too. It's like, they don't do much other than like really like a lot of charity and public appearances, but. Hey, that means they're already doing better than the Kardashians. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, no disrespect to the Kardashians. I think they serve a purpose, but it's not representing the country. So yeah. But I think if I, I don't want to call him my favorite, but I think if I had to come up with a ruler that I think is pretty interesting for like what you were talking about with Henry VIII, like how he kind of just diverted the course of the monarchy. I think similarly, like looking back centuries, even before that, um, I think William the Conqueror is fascinating. Because, oh, so you're just going with number one. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I think it's really fascinating because he sort of set this course for English culture. I mean, like, he's the reason there's, like, French influence in the English language and, you know, all this stuff and, like, the way that they operated from there on out. I mean, yes, you're right. Like, that's going back to the very beginning, but, like, why not? <laughs> yeah, hey, that's a good that's a good answer. And he's not number one. He's just number one of, like, the he, essentially... He's, he's number one of the, of the monarchy as as we know it. I think before right. that, but there it were, was a there lot were rulers of little, before that, but yeah. they were then invaded by France. And, um, 
they lost that battle. So yeah, and I, but think, I do think it's fascinating. Like the Normans came and totally changed English culture. Yeah. Did you think I was going to say King Arthur? Is that why you said somebody who's real? No. Um, I thought, I don't know. I guess I thought you were going to talk about like one of the Windsors, but because of the crown or something. Oh, and no. and I was like, well, I don't know if like like those are like I don't for a second I thought you were going to talk about um, Edward the um, the seventh or the eighth. The eighth. He's the one that the eighth, yeah. Just because he is delightful on the crown, but <laughs> he doesn't count. He's not a ruler. He well, no, that's not true. You're right. He was. He was. He was king. Power. He just wasn't crowned. What? Well, yeah, I know that's kind of a weird system. The king is dead. Long live the king. Because, like, automatic transition of power. Yeah. But that you also have this period between when you ascend to the throne and when you officially accept the throne. Like, you you can, like, as Edward VIII found, you can be king and not dedicate your life to God and country. So. It's not um, official until they put the oil on your chest. Yeah. Before that, you can just dedicate your life to your <laughs> divorced American girlfriend. So. Um, <laughs> they did eventually get married. I think they you know, did. Yes, I think I think the world was better off. I, you know, I I think you're right. Um, I mean, who knows what kind of king he would have been? But I think, given what we know about his association with Nazis, probably yes, the world was better off. Um, but we will talk about him another day. Yes. Oh my gosh, we have so many ideas. This is meant yes. to be a general overview. Yes. Um, so we're not going to go too far in, but I think. Um, since we did say we were going to start with Queen Elizabeth, um, we could maybe just introduce a few facts about the current sovereign of the United Kingdom and um, kind of introduce who she is, if that works. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Um, so I'll, I had to look this up because um, there's, a lot, there's a lot to say. <laughs> There's a lot of facts about her, but her, she's actually queen of the United Kingdom, obviously. And can you can you remind all of us, including me, what that actually includes? And I'm not talking about the, we're not talking about Canada and all that, but just like. Oh no, I I actually can do this because I recently had this conversation with uh, my coworkers in Australia, including one of whom who is from England, and even he couldn't really tell us what the UK was. So, um, off the top of his head. So it's uh, it's England, Scotland, and Wales, okay. and um, Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland. Okay. That, that's where I always get hung up. So Southern Ireland, or just the Republic of Ireland, I think, or, oh God, this I is, think it is I'm going to offend so many people. But yes, Northern Ireland is um, part of the United Kingdom, and Republic of Ireland is not. Okay. One, yes, I, I really hope I didn't get those confused. Um, <laughs> well, we'll we'll fact check that for you as well. Yeah, um, um, but the, so that's um, that's the UK, and then people also sometimes refer to the British Isles. Okay, um, because that also includes like all of Ireland, and then also a few like the Isle of Man, and then a few other okay. islands as well. But it's that general little body of land. Off the coast of France. So, yes. Okay. So she's queen of the United Kingdom, uh, Canada, Australia. And well, she's, okay, she's the head of the Commonwealth. Hold on, I'm getting there. Okay. 
Um, she's the Queen of the United Kingdom, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand, and has been since February 6th, 1952. She's also the head of the Commonwealth, um, and is considered queen of those countries, even though they have their own independent governments. Um, so there's a whole list of countries that are known as the Commonwealth realms, and that includes Australia, Canada, New Zealand, Jamaica, Barbados, the Bahamas, Grenada, Papua New Guinea, the Solomon Islands, Tuvalu, St. Lucia, St. Vincent and the Grenadines, Belize, Antigua and Barbuda, St. Kitts and Nevis. Um, And then there's a whole list of countries that have gained independence um, during her reign. So I think that's really interesting is that she's reigned for so long that she's actually seen the British Empire shrink. And the Commonwealth is essentially the the remnants of the British Empire. Um, But am I right in remembering that also some countries have elected to join the Commonwealth that were not historically ruled by England? Oh, are you? I don't know. I thought I remembered that, but They were just perhaps, so impressed. They were like, you know well, what? Or they had some British influence. I mean, I should look this up because I thought that might be the case. Well, some of those countries I listed may... Actually, that may be the case because some of these countries that I listed are, go back to 1952 and some of them go back only to 1962. Uh, for example, St. Lucia, 1979 to the present. And I remember when I went to St. Lucia... One of the things that our tour guides talked about is that St. Lucia had bounced around between France and the Dutch and the British. I think they had some Dutch influence. I could be wrong. But for like 100 years, they just kept getting passed around, um, which is sad for St. Lucia. But um, according to this list that I'm looking at, they have been a member of the Commonwealth since 1979. Um, So you probably, that's probably what you're thinking of. Yeah, but previous British territory colonies are not part of the Commonwealth. and that, no, they're not. Well, I okay. think, no, I'm so saying there is, are some that are, right? Like, um, where does India fall? India is completely independent and is uh, not on this list. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I'm saying is I think there are some oh. that are not part of the Commonwealth. But Okay, this I guess list I was, is only during her reign, so that's what I'm missing. That's the piece that I'm missing. Well, see, because um, I'm trying to remember, like, whenever they have the Commonwealth Games, like, who goes to this? Well, I, I know Jamaica goes. Yeah. Because of um, Usain Bolt. Right. Um, anyway, again, this is why I'm completely unqualified to be talking about this. I told you I was bad at geography. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's the general idea. I'm, when she took the throne, Britain was a pretty significant world power. Um, it was... Right after World War II, you know, they had obviously emerged victorious along with the other allies, um, but did a lot of rebuilding. And I think it's interesting to think about if they hadn't been so destroyed by the Germans during World War II, if they would be more powerful today. Um, That's an interesting thought I just had. I don't know. Maybe, or maybe, you know, just having, you know, when Victoria was queen, that was like the peak of the British Empire. And then slowly between her reign until when we get to the start of Queen Elizabeth, so like it's definitely dwindled. You know, they um, they lost India in that time and, um, you know, a few other significant countries, I believe. And so I think there was sort of this realization of 
you know, I think a lot of Elizabeth's reign was trying to hold on to what they still had, but I think also over her reign, a realization of perhaps it isn't Britain's role to be the leader of all of these countries. Like, I think there's talk of when Queen Elizabeth eventually dies, um, is her successor then immediately head of the Commonwealth or do they vote another leader from another country if they want to, you know, like it, I think there's been this evolution of the thought of how like Britain might symbolically lead a few of these countries, but is, is their role the same as it was as empire, you know? And I, I don't think that that's where the people want to be. And I don't think where their government would want to be. Um, so, I mean, that's an interesting. Yeah. Well, (laughs) That's a whole other story. <laughs> Poor Charles. Um, but I, I think you're right in that uh, England certainly, especially, was um, basically destroyed after World War II. And there are questions of what level of power they could be had that not been the case. But, I mean, I don't know. Like, I think there's no argument that they aren't a world power, you know. I mean, they're certainly up there with the big guys and... Um, uh, same with a bunch of other countries that were all but destroyed in World War II. So um, it's an interesting question. I mean, you would never, I mean, history happens the way it happens, right? So there is no alternative version of that. Very true. Yeah. Um, I feel like I just went on a ramble, but I No, I, 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 I learned a lot. <laughs> this is why, this is why, this is why you're useful. <laughs> you, you know, you know the history of all of this stuff. Um, the only other thing I wanted to mention that I thought was interesting is that she's the 40th monarch since your fave, William the Conqueror. So <laughs> we've got 40 people to talk about. <laughs> we just go through the list. Okay, so that is a really fascinating counterpoint because you're talking about 40 monarchs since the time of William the Conqueror, and we've had over 40 presidents in 200 plus years. <laughs> She's had 12 during her reign alone. I know, but I just love the the speed of democracy compared to a uh, monarchy. Some of these people live a really long time. Yeah, um, I mean, and some of them didn't, but some of them, yeah, for sure. So I think, um, I think I she's mean, interesting. You know, we talked about this a little bit, but the last point I want to mention is, you know, she took the throne in 1952. And in 2012, she celebrated her Diamond Jubilee, which is um, 60 years on the throne. And um, that means this year she'll be celebrating 66 years on the throne. I don't know what happens if you get to 70. I don't, I don't know. What is it? Like your titanium jubilee? <laughs> like, I don't know what the the symbol is for 70, but I, you know, I think about this a lot, especially digging into her life recently. And, you know, um, Prince Philip recently kind of semi-retired and, um, you know, cause he's older than she is by a few years, you know, he's in his nineties now. And well, I think she is too, right? I, uh, I think she's late eighties. Let me, yeah. Let me have it right here her birthday uh hold on stand by <laughs> claire has to do math i know <laughs> well that's that's why i became a lawyer so i don't have to do math um so she was born in 1926 so actually she is not over 90 she's yeah. 92 this year yeah um, so i i think about this quite a bit because within the next 
five or six years in, in all likelihood. Just, I mean, who knows? Her mother lived to be 101, I think. So, um, or close to that. So who knows? But I think the likelihood within the next six years is, you know, England is going to see an over, a, a changeover of this monarchy or, or we might see her living to be over a hundred, but vastly scaling back her, her duties. Although historically she's proven to be willing to carry them out as long as physically possible, because I think a defining trait of her is that, you know, her role matters a lot to her. But I think the thing I think about a lot is that, you know, they are undeniably old people and mm-hmm. <laughs> we are going to see, I mean, there are people in England that are, you know, in their sixties and this is the only monarch they've ever known. And that's kind of fascinating. If you think about the history of British monarchy, you know, you might have two or three or maybe even four monarchs in your lifetime. And well, she's got a whole number of subjects that have only ever known her. And so it's going to be pretty fascinating what happens. I think it's I interesting think. because if you are born during Queen Elizabeth's lifetime, and I think this is kind of what you're getting at, just by virtue of her age, if you're, let's say, a millennial, and you and I are old millennials, I think. Yes. We, yes. Let's, let's make that very clear. Um, but we are millennials, technically speaking, and um, we were born well into her reign, you know. 30 years in plus. Um, and so they're just given her age at 92, I think in the next decade, it's very likely that England is going to see the ascension of Charles to the throne, um, assuming he outlives his mother, which he should, hopefully, you know. Um, Seems like a long-lived family. Yeah. And I think he's planning to be King George, which that I don't get... Um, Perhaps because the last King Charles lost his head. Oh, is that why? That's my assumption. I don't know. The regnal name. They're really weird about like cursed traditions. Like they they don't want to give. I think there was speculation. I mean, who knows really? Like this is all speculation because no one really knows what's going on in the discussions in the royal family. But I think they were talking about the the name that Harry and Meghan were going to get. Uh, And they were floating around the idea of the Duke of Windsor, but they didn't want to do that because the last Duke of Windsor was Edward VIII. (laughs) And then the other option is Clarence. Yeah. Which is also comes with a rich and uh, colorful history. Um, Yeah. And yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what they end up with. I think the other option is Sussex. Yeah, um, but I guess they were afraid the media was going to have a field day with that name. Yeah. So. Oh, the dirty British press. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's interesting how some monarchs take a new name and some don't. And that seems to kind of be a, um, a tradition that arose in the last couple hundred years. Um, you know, Elizabeth's father was Albert by birth. Yeah, but I wonder if that ties back to, like, Victoria obviously didn't do that, but I think... Well, no, but she was, her first name was Alexandrina. But I thought she was always called Victoria. No, I think they called her Drina. Okay, well, we will discuss that when we discuss... I've been watching the show, so, you know, I'm an expert. Queen Victoria, yeah. Um, I didn't know that, but I, my speculation is that, so... But her middle um, name was Victoria. Right, but but I guess where I'm getting with this is so the House of Windsor used to be called the House of um, oh God I'm gonna butcher this I can do uh, it is it 
Saxe Goldberg Gotha or yes, something yes, like that, job. but which was the family house of Prince Albert, yes. um, who was German. But prior to Queen Victoria getting on the throne, there was a succession where um, there used to be a rule in England that, or I believe it was a rule, but they didn't want Catholics to be on the throne. Mm. So they had to go on this hunt across Europe for a family member who could feasibly uh, take the English crown and who, but who was Protestant. So um, they found a German. And I, <laughs> yes. And I don't remember specifically who that was, but he was German. And um, so he, I actually think it was George the first or the second. So is um, that why they all changed their names? Cause they were all named Albert. And- well, that's what, that's where I'm getting is I think that's what they did. So then, especially then when Queen Victoria kind of doubled down on this Germanness by marrying Albert and in fact, adopting a lot of his German traditions, but also um, the family name became very German and then they're naming their children these pretty German names, I think, to sort of continue on this English tradition. Their regnal names are traditional and historical, like, English names because they want to reaffirm this tie to English history. But this is coming from a family of essentially Germans ruling in England that have extremely German names. And, I, like, Elizabeth's father, uh, George the Fifth, was Albert. Right, but was he George the Fifth? Yes. Okay. Or the um, sixth. I, I, I honestly, <laughs> yeah, this is, there's so many, so many of the similar names. I mean, it's like popes, right? Um, but yeah, he was Albert and they called him Bertie, but he ruled as George because I think there might've been pressure, especially given just coming out of this um, World War One with England, but then also, go, you know, having more tension with Germany is you, you don't really want to have this tie. And in fact, in World War I, the family changed their name to Windsor right? Um, due to anti-German sent- sentiment in England. Well, wasn't um, Edward VIII David? Yes. But I wonder if there's just also this thing of, you know, the family is very traditional. And so it's like, well, we're not going to have a King David. <laughs> you know, that might sound too biblical. I yeah. don't know. It's That's interesting. There's like, a, and, and, you know, when they talk about how um, Prince William and Kate are um, expecting their third child, and there's there's like a list of acceptable names. You know, these aren't they're not going to go out there and, and name their third child Harper. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. No. So um, I thought it was interesting that they went with Charlotte, but there's. Um, I think that's a a name that's common in the history of the family for women. But I, I and so that's why the speculation on this third baby is like if it's a girl, like Alice, or maybe even Elizabeth. You never know. Um, I don't know what they would do for a boy. I think. Yeah, but you know, they're these very traditional English names. But I think there, and and I might be totally wrong on this, but I think there's this idea that you continue to tie into English tradition and all it does is reinforce the legitimacy of your family, you know, especially if in the early parts of last century, when you're especially worried about being associated with Germans who are invading your country and your allies. So, but it's, um, it's interesting to think about like going, you know, going back to my point that I think started this conversation is, um, Charles doesn't want to be King Charles, as you said, um, well, I don't know if that's really the reason, but that's my guess because the last King Charles lost his head, mm. right? Wasn't that Charles III? Yeah. Who, who knows? And he could surprise everybody. You know, this is all speculation. Yeah. Um, I mean, Elizabeth kept her name. Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't want Although, to follow Queen Elizabeth? I, exactly. Like, <laughs> you've got a great royal name. You may as well keep it. <laughs> um, but then it's interesting to think about the fact that, you know, realistically, um, a decade or so later... We'll probably see William 
mm-hmm. on the throne. Um, and he is probably going to rule a very long time, assuming the monarchy stays, you know, and we're not, we are not, I think let's say that we're not going to talk about this on this podcast is this end of the monarchy because that's no fun. So. Nor do I honestly think that that's going to happen. I, at least not within before William, you know, I mean, it's this, I think my sense is that, you know, the British people are extremely proud of their monarchy and um, they might have qualms about it, you know, here and there. And I think no one is excited about the prospect of a King Charles, but um, poor Charles, he gets a bad rap. But um, I don't know. I think it's, it's, you know, the British people are also very much about tradition and it seems like they've held on to it this long. You know, why not? It's true. Yeah. It's interesting. It gives them also, I mean, in terms of the tourist dollars alone. So <laughs> I know we should take a trip. Totally. <laughs> to go tour Windsor in May. That sounds like a great idea. Yeah. Last minute. <laughs> I'm sure hotel rooms won't be hard to find at all. Not at all. We can stay in yeah. the castle. Yeah. I think there's some room in the chapel <laughs> and that'll give us a really good view of the wedding. <laughs> we will be, by the way, one of us live tweeting are we gonna do well that? we'll we'll be watching it together and if as an old millennial one of us figures out what a live tweet is <laughs> and how to do it we, we could do that we might be live instagramming i don't know yeah i'm good at stories. We'll be doing something do stories um yeah. yeah so i don't know i think this is a good overview of why we're interested and in, there's a lot to talk about here and i think queen Elis- queen elizabeth is a great place to start um like I said earlier, she's got 60 years to unpack, so we're probably going to break it up into three episodes. Um, we've got the 50s and the 60s, the 70s, what did I, did I say the 50s and the 60s and the 70s and the 80s? Uh, no, yep. no, no. Yeah, I, and then the 90s and the no, I, 2000s. No, I, I, I'm, I'm changing that. This is, <gasps> what? No, this is what I said. The 50s, <laughs> 60s, 70s are going to be one episode. Because I, okay. think, I think we can kind of breeze through the 60s a little bit. Um, but there's a lot to talk about when she first took over. And then the 60s and the 70s, I think, in the grand scheme of the 60 years, are not horribly eventful. There's a few interesting things to talk about, but we can do that in one episode. And then the 80s and the 90s, I think, could be their own episode. And we're going to try not to turn it into the War of the Waleses. But oh, I God. think that that had a really significant impact on Queen Elizabeth and her reign. And and if you think about her trying to guide her son into adulthood and the ultimate adult rite of passage, finding a bride, you know, when you're when you are a Prince of Wales and and what that was like and all of that. So that we will talk about it, um, but it's not going to be the Charles and Diana show, at least not in that episode. Um, and then I think we'll talk about the millennium because she's had almost two decades in the new millennium. And I think we've seen a lot of changes. Um, and the rise of the uh, underclassmen, if yes, you will. And, and, and a bit of a winding down. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that will be interesting to talk about on its own. So that's kind of what we envision talking about with Queen Elizabeth. And if that sounds like something that's interesting to you, we encourage you to tune in. Um, we're going to aim for what, one a week? Yeah. Okay. Um, and then we'll do, so we'll be doing that. And then obviously we're going to do 
a special episode about royal weddings just to get everyone yeah excited for the wedding in a few months um because I think Harry and Meghan are just continuing this tradition of you know everyone's I don't want to say ideal, but everyone loves a royal wedding, I think. You oh, know, I do. Like the, the, I do, too. I mean, the pageantry, the spectacle, the the dress, you know. Are they going to flub their lines? You know, where are they going to do? It's all just fun to watch. So we'll do a whole, probably talk about, uh, well, William and Kate, probably Charles and Diana and Elizabeth, perhaps herself. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, No, I think so. That's, yeah, that's an overview of what we want to do. And um, I hope you enjoy some rambling. That will happen. Yes. I just look forward to all, everyone screaming at me about everything I screwed up about history and facts. We'll try to do some fact checking and correct ourselves if need be. But I think um, we might put this disclaimer at the beginning of every episode. We are not historians. Yeah. Uh, We are not. Uh, in any position to speak with authority on any of this. We just come from a place of genuine interest. Yep. And fascination. Um, Much to the horror of our forefathers, I'm sure. Although, you know what? I just read a book on George Washington and for the first president of the country and um, someone who actively rebelled against the British, he was also a bit of a royal fanboy. So um, I think we're in good company. So, well, he didn't want it, but I think more in that he really tried to follow British style and customs, and he had a bit of a fascination with uh, the French monarchy and all of that. So, uh, we're in good company, I think. Oh, there's I a think, lot I think to talk you can, about there too. Oh boy! Yeah, I think you can um, have a fascination with it and still maybe not want to live under it. So, anyway, that's my. My but it's okay claim. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So next time we'll be talking about Elizabeth through the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Yeah. Is that what you... Yep. Okay. Wow. That's going to be a lot. Um, reserve the right to turn that into a two-parter if need be. So we'll, we'll fight about it later. It. Yeah, we'll yeah. fight about it later. <laughs> um, Anyway, thank you for listening to our rather incoherent introduction. It's the first one. It's fine. <laughs> Um, Till next time. All right. Later. All right. Bye. Bye.